This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. You guys want to start a podcast that includes music, or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast. My name is Natalie. I am your host. In case you guys are new here, I never intro the podcast this way. Oh, Today is a day where I'm recording intros, and I just kind of froze. I was like, I want to do something different each time, so... Anyways, today's episode, I am interviewing the one, the only Katie Bellotti. If you guys are on YouTube or you follow her on Instagram, she is just a gem. She is so, so sweet. And honestly, she's been on YouTube for quite some time now. She's been on it for 11 years and she has some stuff to say about it. So I was so excited to have her on. I really just wanted to hear her story on YouTube going from being 14 and starting a channel, then being bullied in high school because of that channel and just by being different. I mean, we all remember those days. Then going to college, getting a job in New York City, quitting that job, doing freelance, starting a podcast. I mean, I feel like she's done it all and she's so successful today living in Los Angeles, California and living her best life. So very excited to have Katie on the show. I feel like if you guys watch my channel or if you guys follow me, you probably follow her. Her podcast is also another one that is one of my favorites. I love listening to it when I'm like cleaning or, you know, when I'm relaxing in the morning. I just like listening to it in the background because I feel like it's literally like you're sitting down and talking to a girlfriend. Like her stuff is just so relatable and it just makes you feel less alone in whatever you're going through. And I feel like that's how her podcast is. That's how her YouTube channel is. So I definitely recommend listening to her and uh, following all of her stuff if you haven't already. I also wanted to thank all of the wonderful, wonderful reviews on my podcast. Thank you so much for all of the love. So if this show has provided you any value, entertainment, education, whatever it might be, um, and you enjoyed it, then it would really mean a lot to me if you guys could review it. And also if you're listening, repost and share on your stories and tag me and Katie because I'm sure that she would love to see it. Anyways, I just want to get into this episode. There's not even that much more I can say because I feel like the episode will speak for itself. So let's just get into the podcast with Katie Bilotti. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Airs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? 
Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It's been a long time coming, I feel like. So we're going to start with setting the record straight, and this is some assumptions or some stereotypes, and then you're going to let me know if they're true or false. So let's just get started with that. Dating is harder in LA than New York City. Hmm. I haven't really done much of it out here, but I would say false. I think it's probably about the same in general. I think just like living in like city type areas, it's kind of the same, at least on either coast, in my experience. (laughs) And I feel like it's kind of unfair because you live in LA during a pandemic. So like you don't, I feel like you haven't experienced true dating in LA yet, I guess. Definitely not. Definitely not. Like I'm on the dating apps out here just to see what's, what's up, but I haven't really, yeah, I haven't given it a fair shot 
enough to say which which is easier or harder so but I'll say false for now (laughs) and the next one is that working in social media can be exhausting true I don't even have to hesitate about that one (laughs) yeah I mean both of us know I feel like it's one of those jobs that looks super glamorous and don't get me wrong I'm very grateful that it is my job but it's like tiring and mentally exhausting more than anything completely and you always doubt everything you do and you're like is this even valuable to people half the time when I'm like sharing mundane things like clothes and food and whatever and yeah it can make you really doubt yourself a lot but overall it's it's mostly rewarding I'd say yeah no I I completely agree and Mm -hmm. you are such a creative person so were you always creative this kind of goes back to our first question but were you like like when Mm. you were younger were you creative yes always have been always have been and and for a while I thought that there was something like wrong with me because I wasn't good at the traditional things people are really great at when they're young and you know sports and uh, math science like things like that I was super like I was just more invested in the colors of my pens and you know (laughs) you know drawing art things like that I've always been super invested in things like that and even design at a young age so yes I've always been like this but I think that it also can be something you develop over time not everyone's like that and you started Mm -hmm. your YouTube channel like 10 11 years ago right it's been like you were one of the OGs on YouTube it's been yeah it's been forever I've been on YouTube since 2009 yeah oh my literally since like YouTube started I feel like (laughs) you were on it in its inception I yes Yes, I was, I had no right. I was 14 giving advice. I don't know what I was like, what my goal was really. I just was like, I want, I want to make friends online because I wasn't having a great time making friends in real life. And I was like, well, the internet has opened up this whole new world of possibilities for people like me that, you know, struck out with the people in their hometowns. And it, I think that that's, I, I have to say, I think a lot of us that started out when we did, kind of you know did so to to flee their their real life situation and struggles and that's you know they found this community and it it was really great for all of us I feel like yeah completely and why did you start the your YouTube channel aside from like finding online friends did you have were you like watching YouTube or like what made you say like I'm gonna pick up my video oh, yeah. camera and like hit record and upload <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely inspired by you know the the, the super OGs like Juicy Star 07 and, you know, all those people, Shane Dawson and all of them, like, back in the day. And then I was also, I have to say, I was also inspired by that TV show, iCarly, and how she had that, like, web show. And I was like, ooh, I want to do that. I want to have, like, a talk show. And that was my, my, like, bigger goal. And, you know, as a 14-year-old, because you're shooting for the stars and everything seems possible. So I thought YouTube was a great place to start. So that's what I did. And wait, what were your first videos? Were they like advice videos or was it like the typical like makeup and fashion type videos? It was kind of a mix of both. I definitely dipped my toe in like talking about my life and things like that. But, you know, mostly in the beginning, it was like haul videos. It was like beauty and hair advice, although I... I like owned like two products total so I don't know what I was really I was really grasping for straws there with that but yeah it was it was mainly just I was kind of you know seeing what else people were doing like I was really inspired by the other people that were creating videos and the tag videos were huge at the time also so I was doing a lot of that stuff and really growing my community that way so I think 
yeah, it was it was definitely all over the place, but <laughs> I didn't have like a niche idea at the time. Yeah. And I know that you talk a lot about, mm-hmm. and even now you're saying how you had a hard time like meeting friends at home or like you were having a hard time in high school. And so do you keep your YouTube a secret? Because I asked this because I kept my YouTube a secret for so long. So was, oh, yeah, was that for something sure. you were like scared yep. to share? Did people make fun of you when they found out about it? Yes, they did. Because I already had a hard time making friends just in the beginning of, you know, middle school and that time period. I mean, middle school is hard for everybody. I was definitely one of those people, though, that thought it was like only me that was having these doubts, like insane crushing doubts of like, what am I doing with my life? And I was only like in middle school. So that's just crazy. But I lived in a very, I would say it was just, I mean, I feel like everyone has different pressures and, you know, their schools, but my school especially, I just felt like everyone was really pressured to succeed in a lot of different areas and none none of those areas felt very creative to me and so I wasn't really thriving. So yeah, I definitely was trying to keep my YouTube channel a secret because I knew that it would just fuel, like I was already bullied in various ways for just how I looked and acted and dressed and things like that and so I was worried that the YouTube channel would make it worse and lo and behold it did but it made me lean into it even more I think like I just because I I just kind of gave up on my normal life I was like okay I'm not gonna succeed in high school and you know get a boyfriend and all these things that were so important at the time so I might as well just give YouTube my everything and so I'm honestly grateful that I did that you know I'm, I'm grateful for the haters because they just pushed me further and further into doing something that I love and now it's my career so <laughs> yeah 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 honestly I mean I felt the same way like I was so scared to talk about it in high school because I was like really quiet and like no one really knew who I was in high school it was one of those where it was like I was right. kind of like there same and I had like my three friends yeah <laughs> and so I was always like okay I can't like tell people that I'm posting videos on the internet like I'm this like shy person at my school and then all of a sudden I'm like hi everyone like on YouTube it was like two different people so I never wanted to like share that with the world like I didn't even tell my friends in the beginning right I mean it's you know in this time like you know back in the day before TikTok was a thing it it wasn't at all normal for people to just put themselves out there like that it was also before Instagram was really a thing too so it's like why like people just always were like, well, why are you doing that? Like if you don't have to put yourself on the internet, why would you? Like there's not to mention, you know, the trolls and like there's people that are creepy on there and like, you know, how did your parents let you do that sort of thing? Like I always get those questions and now I feel like if anyone was to pick up a YouTube or pick up a camera and make a YouTube video, it wouldn't be as weird because everyone's doing that now. Like it's just a normal thing to just be constantly Mm -hmm. documenting what you do, what you eat, what you wear, everything on just normal people normal everyday people are doing it so now it's it's normalized but back then it was like it it opened a whole new like you know view into someone's life and it was uncomfortable for a lot of people to even consider doing it themselves so that just made it a whole lot easier for them to ridicule the people that did so definitely a whole different time in terms of like what is okay and what's not okay to be putting out there yeah and did Mm -hmm. was college better for you like was that something that you kind of I don't want to say like found yourself in college but like did you like thrive more in college or was it like a better experience than high school definitely a hundred percent I found you know a group of people that really accepted what I was doing and I needed that because it was getting to the point where I was considering like is this something I want to do my whole life and I was going through the normal doubts that one has 
in college when they're debating on what they want to do with their life and it was really necessary for me at that point to have people to support me and not everyone was supportive. There were definitely people right when I got to school that again were kind of similar to the high school people that didn't understand what I was doing. But for the most part, yeah, I I was super accepted. And, you know, my school in North Carolina, Elon, had a lot of opportunities for, you know, we had a lot of of clubs, a lot of like digital stuff, and it was just super accepted. and, And like, I felt very special. And I didn't feel like I was different in any way if anything it was a good different because I I felt at Elon a lot of people were trying to create blogs and presences of some sort at this time so I didn't feel alone in that so yes I definitely think college was really important that I and I'm so happy that I went I definitely considered for a hot second just like going to LA right out of you know high school and skip the the chance to be bullied again because I was so fearful that I was going to experience that again so I'm I'm happy with my decision overall because I think my college content is some of my favorite content that I've ever made because it was so relatable because I was literally going through everything that I was talking about and so were my followers. So it just felt really organic. And yeah, I think it was really necessary for my growth overall. Totally. And did you – so I know that you got a job at L'Oreal after college. And did you plan on like getting a job afterwards or were you gonna do, were you like, oh, I want to do YouTube full time. And then like this amazing opportunity came up or like what, I, I don't want to say like, why did you get a job? But like, what was your thought process like, <laughs> you wanted to do after college? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely am one of those people that I'm not extremely spontaneous. Like you might think from just seeing some of the choices I make on social media that I am, but really everything I do takes so much planning and so much thought. I like, I'm just such a planner with everything I do. So naturally when I was thinking, you know, senior year, what am I going to do after school? I was like, you know what? I could just, I knew I wanted to be in New York. That was the only thing I knew wholeheartedly. And I've known that for, you know, a long time, even when I was in high school, there's videos of me saying, I'll live in New York someday. Like New York was always my goal and a dream that eventually came true. But I I knew I wanted to be there, but I truthfully did not have enough confidence in myself to do YouTube full-time, YouTube and et cetera, full-time after college. And while I was sitting down and planning and thinking through logistics and finances and all the things, I was like, this is just really risky, which you know, going freelance, quitting your job, you know, it's super risky. So mm-hmm. I just wasn't ready. I wasn't much, mat- I, I wouldn't say mature is the right, the right word, but I wasn't confident enough in myself at that point. And I think it would have caused me a great deal of stress if I had just gone straight into that. I think I needed that corporate role to show me that, that I think what it really showed me was that everyone out there like that, that comes across like they really know what they're doing and they're the smartest person in the room and all these things. They, no one really knows what they're doing half the time. They're just kind of shooting for the wind, hoping that this thing that they're doing or this business decision is the right decision. Even the smartest person in the room, they want you to think that they know what they're doing all the time, but they don't. And so I think I needed to learn that through corporate to have the confidence to do my own thing and go freelance. So it wasn't really, it was always kind of a part of my plan to do something kind of more secure and it just felt safer at first because I was, you know, already moving to a new city. I was after college, like didn't really know I needed to like fend for myself, so to speak, because college kind of sets you up for success and all these things. And so I needed 
kind of a, a little bit of a safety net at first to ease me into what I eventually would do. So it was always kind of a plan. And luckily, the L'Oreal job actually came from a brand deal that I did. I'd done a bunch of work with L'Oreal as an influencer. And so their team no, you know, recognized me then, knew that I was going to graduate soon, and said to me, hey, there's this job opening. You should apply for it sort of thing. And I went through the normal process. That's like It incredible. wasn't handed to me, so to speak. But it was because of a brand deal. It was because... I really hit it off with the team. So, I mean, hey, if you're anyone out there listening is like an influencer of any sort, don't sleep on brand deal partnerships. If you ever think like, you know, getting to know the brand you're working with, getting to know the, the names on the emails is super important because you never know if you down the line want a full-time corporate job, you can just lean into those contacts. And that's exactly what I did. So that's how I got the job at L'Oreal. And then when I quit, it didn't really surprise anyone, I don't think. I think they all knew that I was kind of gearing up to do that the second I took the job. But yeah, that's kind of the journey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool. And I completely agree with the brand deal thing because I've used, I mean, I've used people that I've worked with on brand deals for my own like client work, you know, like reaching out to them to become right. clients of mine separately with my own agency. So I agree, like brand deals are not, don't just use them for like that and that's it. Like, keep the connections yeah. I started keeping like a list of contacts on Google and so now I'm like I have everyone's email in one place like I have like a contact book now <laughs> I'm like, oh my this, gosh this I should do that that's so smart yeah I yeah I did it this year I was like I'm gonna like I'm gonna lose these eventually so I need to have them in one place <laughs> that's so true I yeah my email my inbox is a disaster all the time I need to like come up with a better system <laughs> Yeah. And so I'm curious also with your freelance, because you ended up quitting your job and doing freelance. Did you, how did you get your first clients? Were they people from your brand deals? Were, were they like YouTube subscribers or like w when you took that leap, like how were you confident in like getting clients and like getting client work? Yeah. So I made sure before I kind of knew I was going to quit before, well, before I did, I was gearing up kind of just getting all of my ducks in a row, making sure I had the financial cushion, making sure I had clients lined up. So my first clients actually were other influencers that were, so they're kind of in the, I would say they're in the mommy blogger space. So there were a few women mm -hmm. in New York that I knew through a friend. So it was through a friend of mine from college who cord like, you know, connected me with these two women who just needed influencer to influencer some guidance with how to edit videos and how to you know, shoot, they wanted to do some IGTV content. And I have like, obviously a background in video from YouTube and everything. So they were like, can we just work together? And so it was very much like a friend connection sort of thing. And then another opportunity came actually right before I quit, another friend of mine from college. So it's like my sorority sisters literally connected me with, you know, she works for this startup -y fitness brand in New York. And she was like, we need a video editor, we need this, whatever. So fortunately for me, they kind of, it kind of came down to like they came to me, but it was because I kind of planted seeds over the years and people knew that I, I did this. They saw my content all over my feed all the time and were like, she has the portfolio. I was building my portfolio while I was at L'Oreal. I was always wondering if they were like creeping on my portfolio, seeing that I was updating my resume. Like, what does that mean? Uh oh, she's going to quit. Like, I was so worried the whole time. <laughs> but I was slowly kind of just making moves here and there, gearing up. And, you know, I even had a few different like little dinner meets with other graphic designers in the city 
because I was like I need to I'm again like I said I'm such a planner so I couldn't just like spontaneously quit my job I needed to make sure I had things set in stone like I will have income I will have this I can afford to do this all those things because otherwise I mean there's already so much stress involved with starting your own thing and going freelance and so I wanted to make sure that I could quit my job and be like that was like you know this is the best decision I am so happy because I'm so set up for success and it's all because of things that I've done networking etc so yeah I doubt that's how I found my first clients since I've had you know there's a few different ways I've done it but at first I was really lucky to have people that already were interested in working with me just from seeing my content over the years yeah and I mean your social presence like speaks for itself it's like a resume on its own so I feel like it makes a lot yeah. of sense and then also I it's interesting hearing how you got all your ducks in a row beforehand because on YouTube people just see the I quit my job you know like that's the only video they see they don't yep. see like the prep work behind it so I feel like it's important right. to know how right. much people do plan to make such a big life decision like this exactly I know I think I wish that I had I look back at that video all the time and I wish that I had maybe said somewhere in there like here's uh, what I did well I, I did say like to a certain extent but I feel like I made it seem like it was like so so easy but it really is it's super stressful and it's mm-hmm. something that yeah it's I never I haven't looked back but it's definitely something that took me time to work up the courage to do it's not the easiest thing in the world to quit and see you know say to your boss like oh I don't really know Mm -hmm. exactly what I'm doing but (laughs) something and you are a planner like you said so when you made the decision to move from New York City to LA (laughs) how long did you plan for that or was that a spontaneous decision so that was definitely one of my more spontaneous decisions but I did have again some time to think it through whatever because I was I mean the pandemic definitely put people in a very interesting place especially all of us planners out there because it came along and none of us could have planned for that none of us could have planned for what would happen to New York City what would happen to our daily lives to our the work that we do like it's just completely thrown us for a loop and that's why I think a lot of people like me who are meticulous with planning have had a really hard time with this all because it's you can't plan for these sorts of things and so it definitely was one of my more spontaneous decisions to move to LA because I my lease was kind of it was kind of like perfect timing so to speak because my lease was up and I was on this road trip cross country moving my two close friends out here And while I was on the road trip, you know, I was seeing all of these different places that weren't New York City, which like I said earlier, New York was always my my goal as a kid. And so I got there and I was Mm -hmm. doing like I had like the my life kind of figured out, so to speak, with like my my own job, you know, my own company, I mean, and being in New York. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I should be content now. But then I went on this road trip and I was seeing all of these other places in middle America that I'd never been to and all I fell in love with like a more rural a more just having more space out you know and sunshine and just I I saw things that weren't a city for the first time in a couple of years and I was like whoa this is people live like this and people are happy like it's just crazy I never had like gotten out of my my bubble enough Mm -hmm. to see that that could be something that I would like And so I came out here to 
LA for a couple of weeks after our road trip had ended and I just kind of hung out in an Airbnb, did some work and was gearing up to fly back to uh, the East Coast. And I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, this this could work. I could do this. Like, because I think a lot of times people like me that are meticulous planners don't give themselves any room for any sort of spontaneous decision. And it really does, it feels so sweet when you do something purely because it feels right and you trust your gut for once and not the numbers and not, is this going to put me into financial ruin? You're thinking like, oh, this is something that makes me truly very happy in a time where it's really hard to find things to be happy about. And so I did that. I trusted my gut and trusted what felt right. And I was happy about my decision overall. I feel like you were always known as like that New York City influencer, you know, like, oh, like Katie in the city. It was very like Carrie Bradshaw, you know, like (laughs) that's what I always like figured that was kind of your brand in a way. But it's good to know that like you are doing things that make you happy, not just what is going to make everyone else happy. And I feel like that's kind of a theme for you, your channel and your brand. I feel like you're very honest in like everything that you do. So is that ever scary? Like being that honest and like being that vulnerable? Definitely because I think that there is a tendency for people to assume that people like us that do share a lot on the internet are, are fully like have conviction in everything they do. And while I do feel like everything I've done has been truly from the heart and like what I feel is right and things like that, it does open us up to be criticized for things. And like, I have been kind of all over the place with like where I want to be and where I want to live, like where I want to live, what I want to do. And I've definitely like brought all of our, all, you know, the whole community along on the ride with me. And it's been bumpy. It's been kind of all over the place. And I think people would just prefer a clear cut, streamlined story of like, here's how I succeeded and here's how I continue to build and build and build. And that's just not realistic. And I think there's a tendency to want order especially as a viewer, you want to continuously come back to someone's channel and always know what you're going to get to a certain extent because it's comfortable to be like, oh, Katie's this New York influencer. She's Carrie Bradshaw of our generation. Mm -hmm. Like that's comfortable for people because they already know the storyline. They already know it's not going to, you know, throw them for a loop in any way where they, they don't know what's coming. And that can be scary for some people, even as viewers. So (laughs) it is tough because like I'm going to continue in my life to make a lot of curveball decisions, things that feel right, things that I that are good for my business, good for my brand, but also good for me as a human being, Katie the human that like has feelings and makes mistakes and grows. (laughs) And so I'm going to continue to do that. And it sucks because I know there'll be people that are like, well, I miss this version of you and I I miss the old you. And like that hurts to see. Like I'm sure you've even gotten comments like that of like, I miss the old Natalie. Oh, and I, it, yeah. it sucks because like, I'm sorry, but we, we are human beings. We grow. We're not robots. We're not going to stay rooted in place our whole lives, you know, being the same person because that's just not the reality of growth. And so yeah, I, I think it does suck when you yourself are going through a tough time and you yourself are confused about what you want to do, where you want to be, what you want to do for a job. And the the community of viewers makes it harder on you by further, you know, making you question yourself. Like when I quit my job and I was met with so much positive feedback, but and yet there was still so many negative comments and people saying, 
oh, now you're not relatable anymore. You're a YouTube girl now. Like you're like this isn't relatable. Being an influencer isn't a job. All this stuff. And like I get it. It did feel nice for people to again be comfortable with my content and if they are you know the people are in corporate jobs it was probably comforting to see that I was also in a corporate job and thriving but you know you can't live your life for other people even though we kind of do (laughs) to some extent because that's just the nature of what we do we we do live for other people sometimes but you need to know when it's your time to make a decision that is just not for even anyone else but yourself and it's been it's a hard pill to swallow because I am a people pleaser I such a people pleaser I want everyone to be happy but that's just not when it comes to your life you can't be that way yeah and how I mean I completely agree like I get comments about one even the same New York situation since I moved out of New York people are like oh well when are you gonna go back or like are you gonna stay in Charlotte because I just bought a house here like are you gonna sell it are you gonna rent it are you gonna do this are you gonna do that and like it's just so many questions and I've just avoided answering all of them because I'm like, yeah, what if you don't know? know? What What if we don't know? Expected to have all the answers all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I want to go back to New York. I don't know what I'm going to do with this house, but like, I feel scared, like putting it on the internet too prematurely because I've learned that then people are like, well, you said this like six months ago. Exactly. Oh my God. (laughs) Things change. Like (laughs) it's literally the new version of like, what are you going to do in five years? What's your five-year plan? Five-year goals, whatever. Like, it's just, it's not fair to hold us, you know, hold those things in stone, like what you said six months ago. Because like any other human, also none of us saw 2020 coming. So it's tough to be, yeah, I I am struggling because I also am super, like I tell everyone on the internet everything, like literally everything. So I'm struggling too, just with like current decisions I'm toying with and like do how, you know, how soon is too soon to express that I'm doing this because what if it doesn't work out, you know, things like that. So I'm fully with you. I know. And we get excited. Like we want to share. Yeah, exactly. "Mm, Maybe not. That's what close friends are for. No, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I want, I want people to be along on various journeys with me but I'm worried about yeah it's it sucks because it's like the few that ruin it for everybody else that like get us in our shell or in our head about it and we're like Mm -hmm. oh we can't talk about that anymore because these few people dm'd us saying like oh this that and the other and I've just yeah I've learned to just check my dms a lot less right a lot less (laughs) oh yeah no definitely learned that too Mm -hmm. and also like people think just being on the internet in general like anyone on the internet think people think that what you're posting is your entire life so oh yeah how much would you say that you show like do you yeah do you think you show most of your life or like there's most of the stuff that people don't see um I think I'm I I saw this quote once it's like truly private people make you think that you know everything when you don't like it's I think that I I think it's hard for me to say that I'm a private person because like anyone that follows me is like how could you ever say that you share so much but there's certain things that I keep to myself because it keeps me like it's it's the glue that holds me together certain things that I just can't share because everything that we everything that we share on the internet is subject to ridicule and there's certain things that I just like could not bear like certain parts of me that I'm like I just I couldn't bear to face criticism over this because it's something so essential to my survival as a human like there's certain stories I will never share there's certain 
elements of my friendships that I'll never share certain moments. But I definitely do share a lot. I think during the pandemic, it's been especially hard to share a lot because people have a lot of opinions right now. Understandably so. We're living in a really crazy, unprecedented time. People have a lot of opinions about what is right and what is wrong right Mm -hmm. now, what is safe, what is unsafe right now. Even if you're fully following the law, there is still people that are going to say, you know, how dare you go sit outside at a restaurant right now? So people have a lot of opinions, as they should, and it has definitely just made me a lot more wary about what I'm sharing because my the last thing I want to do is scare anybody or make anyone feel anxious by my content. So it's definitely made me get a lot get, – get very creative this year with what I'm sharing and how I'm sharing it. And so – I think this year has been tough, but in general, I would say like percentage wise, I probably share about like 60% of my life, maybe, maybe 50, honestly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I feel like it's, it's important to note that like people don't know the entire thing, but like you said, you make it like you share the important things and the big things. It's like everyone says like Instagram is a highlight reel and I completely agree. I've been posting just way less in general. Like, I don't post as often anymore because I'm, like, I don't, you know, like, everything now can be taken a different way. So, I'm, everything. Like, I'm just posting every now and then and, you know, not caring as much about, oh, my God, my Instagram feed or, like, oh, I didn't post a story today. Like, oh, no. Like, it's just kind of, I've been caring less about social media, which is strange because it's my job. But right. it's honestly felt really freeing, not worrying as much or not checking my DMs as much or not posting as much. So I think that's been really honestly like healing this year. Right. And that's the beauty of also having something else. Like you and I both, like I have my design that I do for freelance clients and you have your agency. It, de- it definitely takes the stress off of our shoulders of having to create content all the time for our feeds because I feel like for a while before I had a, a like solid work, you know, a client base and things and had like solid income with that, I was worried about losing followers and not posting as much because that was our that was my income stream. And so it definitely motivated me to post more and the more I mm-hmm. post, the more upset I would be about my content performance and like various things and like I'm just so happy that I've been able to have something else kind of growing on the side because it has taken the stress off Mm -hmm. yeah and you're also one of the first influencers I think or that I've seen that started a podcast because you started it kind of in like the first I feel like no one really started one when you started one so what was that like how did you come up with starting a podcast yeah my first episodes are kind of cringe but I'm happy I did it too like back when I did because it was definitely new um, I started my podcast, so this was back when I was in my corporate job, so I just, it was like August of 2018, I think, my first episode, so something like that. So I'd been in my corporate role for a few months, and I, it honestly came from me working all day, having no time to film YouTube videos, because you know, when I'd get home from the office, the light would be totally gone. I couldn't film. I, I really hate studio lighting. I just love a natural light, you know, setting. So I just, I, I was finding it difficult to film videos, but I still had so much to share and so much I wanted to say. And so I discovered a few different podcasts that I really latched onto and loved, like, uh, the, you know, The Morning Toast and things like that. And I loved the sit down, like, style chat 
stuff and I loved listening listening to it when I was sitting at my office job and I was like wait I could do this naturally because like that's exactly how I was with YouTube I was like oh they, they can do it so can I so here I go and I didn't even know what I was going to talk about in the beginning but it just became kind of a replacement for my YouTube videos every week because I still wanted to share things but I didn't want the lighting and the the, the beauty of podcasting is like of course there's a, their own technical issues and things you have to deal with but it's you can look horrible like I look so bad right now and no one knows mm-hmm. <laughs> no one knows so I'm not worrying about that I'm not worrying about the lighting I'm not worrying worrying about all of those things and it feels much more raw and it was in the beginning, I hardly edited mine. I still don't really edit very much, but I would just like leave all the stuttering in, leave everything in, and it just felt it was easy, and it was just a new thing that I was just so excited about. And I, I mulled over the name for probably two weeks, and then I was like, oh, let's just throw it. Like it's better to be done sometimes than perfect. So I stuck with thick and thin, and I'm happy with it overall. And two years later, it's grown. I'm with an agency now, and I am so happy about it. I love your podcast. I'm a Thank huge you. fan. I think it's just, it's nice. Like, it feels like you're like sitting down with you and just like chatting with a girlfriend. So I feel like it's, I like that sort of podcast where it's very relaxing, you know? So I'm a huge fan I agree. Of it. But I want to know like the process because your podcasts go into yes. detail. Like you research a lot for your podcasts. I do. So yes. how do you come up with the ideas for your episodes? And then like, how long does it take to research and come up with it? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, the beginning episodes that I put out in 2018 were very much like just all over the place talking about my life in New York, that sort of thing. But then as I, when I quit my job and was doing freelance full time and, you know, even still like now as we're not really doing anything, like I was like, I need to, you know, come up with some content. Like, I don't know what to talk about now. So that's when I leaned, started leaning into my history love like I've, I've always loved storytelling I've always loved history and so I, I would say probably like some at some point in 2019 I started infusing history like little stories here and there and I just kind of threw them in and was like kind of almost testing my listeners to see if this was like can I get away with you know throwing a story or two in here because I didn't really think that there wasn't many podcasts out there that did something like that it was very conversational it wasn't like I'm going to read things that I found on the internet or in books So I slowly but surely kind of started infusing it. And now each of my episodes is super related to a story. It's obviously also just me kind of unwinding and talking and chatting, whatever. But I love just giving people something that they can walk away from the podcast with and they're like tuck it in their back pocket, a nice little story. They can whip out if conversation gets dry on a first date and, you know, they want to throw something out or something that'll just inspire them to keep going because I tend to talk about a lot of inspirational people and things and so it's become something that just like makes it makes my week every week when I get dms saying like Katie like I heard the story about you know x y this person and I just want to say that this like really you know reminded me of or like just little things here and there that people take it a step further I love seeing that but in terms of process I would say I have a list growing on my phone I just have like a note where I just like have everyday curiosities things I wonder about people that I I see on a few different Instagram accounts that I follow that are history related and I'm just like ooh, they'd be a great subject I just write them down and I'd say the research I always start researching on Mondays and I post on Thursdays so it gives me a bit of time and it takes me probably a solid day to like really nail down the research for a story like a whole day (laughs) because I'm like 
fact checking like crazy yeah. and then I record and then of course I go live so yeah I mean it's super cool for me because mine are just very conversational so seeing that process going into a, a podcast I'm like researching the person coming up with this story I think mm-hmm. is just really different and it's something like you even said like you haven't seen before so I really love that and I think that also plays into like how you are just a naturally creative person so for someone who isn't necessarily naturally creative or hasn't grown up in a creative environment how what are your tips on like becoming or thinking more creatively or like becoming more uh I guess creative again but you know like what are your tips yeah. on like getting into that mindset of doing that yeah, I think, I mean, the first thing is just you're you're going to have to get okay with the idea that you're, you're going to be wrong sometimes. You're going to make something that's horrible. Your, your first, like, few things that you explore in the creative realm are going to be not obviously not your best, and they're probably going to be horrible. Like, I started out with calligraphy a couple of years ago. Like, I was taking some classes. I was really inspired by it. And I went to this class in New York City and like sat down and was like with an instructor. This was pre-COVID. And I had always done like, you know, cursive and I'd always loved lettering. And so I sat in this class and I was like, I'm going to be the best person here. Like, I'm so excited to do this because I already know what I'm doing and I'm going to be the best. Like I was looking around at all these people and I'm like, oh, amateurs. Like, and I was horrible. (laughs) It was so bad. I like sat down to like, you have to have extreme patience all these things and the instructor kept coming over to me and like was looking over my shoulder because I kept like I was like I was trying to like excel like when I because I I was just like so convinced that I was going to be so good the first time and I wasn't but now a couple years later I am obsessed with calligraphy I've really gotten good at it and it's taken time so you have to be okay with being bad at first it's not one of those things where you can just write out the gate like be so good And it's beautiful because you'll look back in time and and compare your work and be like, wow, look how much I've grown and look how much better I've gotten. And it's kind of cool to be able to compare those things. I mean, the same goes for us, like for, you know, YouTube Mm -hmm. videos, you look back at your old videos and you're cringing, but it's like, look how far I've come. So if you aren't naturally creative, I would say the first step that so many people will never take is just trying, just getting out a sheet of paper or getting out your iPad and just trying, I don't know, getting out your camera, shooting a TikTok, whatever, something, just doing something because you doing something is more than some people will ever do. So just trying is always the first step and you'll find something that's great. I mean, I I always tell people that with YouTube. So people are always like, how do you start a YouTube channel? How do you start a podcast? How do you do whatever? And I'm like, you literally just just do it. Like that's like the first step is like uploading something. Yeah. And like stop watching or continue watching like how to start whatever. But like eventually you stop watching those and actually just like do it. Like actually it's kind of like with self-help books. Like people love reading a ton of self-help books. And I am one of those people. I love those like inspirational books. Mm -hmm. But at at some point you have to like stop reading and actually like take them into account yeah, and like do implement it. them into your own life so I feel like it's like the same thing yeah exactly yeah and before we go I wanted to ask you what is something that you would tell yourself for a year ago because so much has changed in this past oh, year and I feel like so many people have grown in this past year so what's a piece of advice that you'd tell yourself one year ago today one year ago today what is it okay it's February 4th what was I doing <laughs> Um, well, oh my God, my life is about to change. That's what I want to say. But no, I feel like I would say, I think 
because this was like right when I had, I had been so fresh in the freelance space because I had just quit my job in November before. So I would say it will, I, I would say it will all make sense very soon because I was sitting there in February trying to figure out how to invoice clients, trying to figure out like just the things that I feel like everyone already knew how to do. I was just trying so hard to like pretend like I knew what I was doing. So I think I would just assure myself that it will all make sense soon. Like it'll become easy and something that you do, you know, just like, you you know, like the back of your hand very soon. I would just say that because I get discouraged when I'm not good at something on the first try, like everyone. So I love that. I mean, I think that's encouraging for anyone in any season. Um, so I think that that's really awesome. But Katie, where can they find you? Where can they find your podcast, your Instagram, all of your stuff? Yeah, so my podcast is called Thick and Thin. I post every Thursday. It's on like every major podcasting platform. And all my other stuff, you can just type in my first and last name, Katie with a Y, Bilotti, and you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, like I said, be sure to give it five stars on iTunes. Or sorry, I keep saying iTunes. I feel like I'm like so old saying iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts now. Um, For Apple Podcasts, leave five stars. And also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, wherever you guys listen so that you don't miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram. And I think that's pretty much all I have to say. So I will see you guys next week with another episode of The Real Real Podcast. My name is Lovon Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.